The Incomparable. Number 423. September 2018. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about a TV series that is excellent, that finished its third season a little while ago. It was a, a couple months ago, and we were doing the Summer of Marvel, So, uh, but I didn't want to miss it. I didn't want to let it slide, because it's such an excellent TV series. It is The Expanse. Uh, which aired on the Sci-Fi Channel in the U.S., but that's forget about it. Forget about the Sci-Fi Channel because it'll be going to Amazon, which saved it from uh, extinction and cancellation. Um, and we'll be bringing us more seasons, hopefully, in the future. But uh, for this episode, we are going to talk about season three of The Expanse. If you haven't seen The Expanse, you should watch it. It's really good. If you haven't seen season three, uh, we're t- probably going to totally spoil you on it, so you should not listen if you want to not be spoiled. Joining me to talk about The Expanse, three wonderful people. Aline Sims is here. Hello. Uh, is this a draft? I, I draft Naomi Nagata. <laughs> it's not, but uh, fine. You uh, can have you can have okay, Naomi. Thanks. It's fine. It's okay. fine. Dan Morin is also here. Hello. Hi. hi. Uh, I wanted to say something in David Strathairn's crazy belter accent, but I'm pretty sure I can't pull it off. Yeah. It would just be insulting. Yeah, yeah it's sorry. true. It is pretty it's pretty good though. It's, it's fantastic. And and joining us once again, it's Katie Mack. Hello. 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 We're gonna talk about spaceships. It's gonna yes, happen. This- I this is this is my favorite thing to do is is, is spaceships. <laughs> I, I decided at some point that that I want all of my media consumption to somehow involve spaceships, and the the expanse has been an excellent uh, resource for that. I'm a thousand percent on board with that. Yeah, when I when I uh, was thinking about this episode, I thought, you know, who likes spaceships? <laughs> Katie Mack <laughs> yes. likes spaceships. I bet yes, you I would do. be excited to talk about the expanse, and indeed, so we're all here to talk about it. So, I had to think um, about where we were at the end of season two in order to think about like what the dividing line is and in moving into season three. And um, what it is is there was that cliffhanger where um, they they. Uh, Avasarla was uh, was uh, being framed, and she was trapped on that ship and and pinned down. Uh, that was like the big exciting cliffhanger that was happening. They had just uh, the Rosinante had had a fight with a a, uh, a proto monster soldier guy um and that they had just survived um that was the stuff and, and naomi had revealed that she had given some protomolecule sample to fred johnson i think that's basically where season two ended season three is really interesting in that it's basically split into two and while you know this is not a podcast where people talk about the books and spoil you on what is to come in the books but i did want to point out something interesting structurally about this which is the first season was sort of most of the first book of the book series the second mm-hmm. season was the rest of book one and some of book two this season <laughs> is the rest of book two and, and all of book three mm-hmm. yeah they condense book yeah. three mm-hmm. a ton yeah it's only seven it's six episodes to take the second half of caliban's war and then seven episodes to adapt all of abaddon's gate so it is super condensed um without going into i mean again not everything here is going to be books versus tv but it is kind of fascinating as an adaptation for them to have made this choice i don't know if it was a bad choice of all the books to kind of compress but they definitely heavily compressed it well and it makes me wonder uh like to me is it which one is Cibola, Cibola, I don't know, Cibola Burn, yeah. to me, is the weakest book in the series, and that's coming up. So mm. I'm wondering, 
um, it's going to be interesting to see how they choose to adapt that. Um, because I feel like there's a lot of filler that can be not filler, but like there's a lot of detail that can kind of be taken out and be transmitted visually, um, more efficiently than it can on the page. So I'm really interested to see how they handle that and what kind of emphasis it's given. Yeah. I thought, I think the, the reason for them compressing so much of season three here is because there are a couple sort of big incidents in Abaddon's Gate that sort of shape a lot of the world building, and they wanted to get those in. Um, And I'm sure they also probably had some indication that, like, maybe they might have to squeeze some stuff in. What with sci-fi, you know, maybe not wanting to renew them. They might have had Mm -hmm. a heads up that that was possibly a risk, and they wanted to get some of it in. But, I mean, certainly setting up the gate in the mid-season and then ending with sort of the end of Abaddon's Gate gave them a nice launching off place for the next season. So I, I can kind of understand why they did it. And, you know, honestly, it's been so long since I've read this this book, book three. Um, but like I, there was definitely parts where I was like, I feel like there was more to this. But honestly, I could not point out what it was like. I kind of blanked on this. Like, yeah, I remember most of this happening. Maybe not all of it, but there's a huge zero gravity action set piece that would be very yeah. hard to do on a TV budget where yeah. they're fighting on the outside of the space station right. in the middle of the pocket universe that happens in Abaddon's Gate. And I, they were like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> fine. I don't feel it suffered for it. No. There's also a lot of description of like walking around the drum and how mm-hmm. like in the cart right, with how the, the sticky wheels. Works. And, yeah. Like, and, and that's, that's all science great. stuff. Yeah. It's awesome. But maybe not necessary for the television show. Yeah. It's, um, so, so let's, let's, we'll take it in turns. Let's talk about part one of the series, which is the, uh, or of the season, which is the first six episodes, the second half of Caliban's War. I do agree with Dan. I think, I think they had an ending point that they wanted to get to, which is the end of book three. And maybe they were thinking, what if we don't come back? At least that is, that is kind of a dramatic, moment right. to end on and it feels like the story is going to really change from there and if that was the last episode at least you would get that sense from it but uh they did take six episodes to to, to do the rest of the caliban's war story this involves uh so they got to go get the navu which uh i always i like that story it's like we built this ship for the mormons and then uh, we stole it. <laughs> and then it was they drift, built that, and we they built that chip on rock and roll. And now l- go get it because we need it. Which is that that is a that is a something that happens here. We get the whole um, thing with Avasarla and Bobby, who oh are along with the along with the the um, the other guy. Kotiar, yeah, a character who does not appear at all in the books and yet became my favorite. He's, he's awesome. I he's really like him. So good. Of course, you like him, Dan. He's a he's he's like a, a spot like a space spy kind yeah, of. Yeah, that's right in my wheelhouse, as we know. <laughs> uh, but he's also that actor. It's funny. He he appeared on in the CW in the Arrowverse playing Captain Boomerang, and he was absolutely terrible on all those <laughs> shows because that's a terrible role. But he's fantastic here, and I really I think it gives so much opportunity for Avasaral to have someone to bounce off. Yeah, the the chemistry between the two of them is just awesome. I really like it. Yeah, I, and I'm very sad with how that storyline plays <laughs> out eventually, 
but it was a i think i i love the the war going on here and the intrigue like this the caliban's war is my favorite book in the series and part of that is because alva sarala first shows up in it in the books obviously we've gotten her since the first episode in the show um but between that and just sort of the the sort of shadowy cabals facing off in the war that you're trying to prevent with our characters stuck in the middle. To me, that's a very compelling plot. So I really love this arc uh, because it really captures some of my favorite things about the series. And putting Ava Sarala and and Bobby together is fun. Mm-hmm. And then you do yeah. add you do add the 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 other guy. What's his name? Kochiar. Kochiar. Yeah. Kochiar. He was the space spy. Who I, I really yeah. That's a really good part. I I thought he was going to die like ten different times before. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which you can because he's in the books. He's yeah, not in the books. Right. So you're like I don't know. I don't Anything know could happen to this, this dude. <laughs> um, so that was all good. And the fact that they they go off in um at Julie Mao's ship, which is another great little thing. Julie yeah. Mao's racing ship. There's a lot of spaceships being stolen in this. <laughs> the series nobody yeah. nobody keeps their spaceships there's the the rosinante and the navu and the and the razor razorback and like just they're just sort of shuffling around the the solar system everybody keeps their keys in the visor in their spaceship so yeah, yeah. weird it is a problem well I, that leads to a great moment when bobby goes on the rosinante and she's like this is a martian ship you stole it you got to give it back and they're like no <laughs> yeah. that's right, not gonna happen right. well they pick that up later too because this is the whole one the 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 plot point with the martian marines who they rescue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Which, Which is also really good. Yeah. yeah I, I really enjoyed that. None of that, I believe, is in the books either, uh, to my recollection. No. Um, but I really enjoyed that whole dynamic because it makes a lot of sense where they go from being like oh we're so glad to be rescued oh wait something's weird about this ship oh my god you're james holden you totally stole this we're gonna mutiny to i'm gonna talk you over to my side so you know amos doesn't have to kill all of you (laughs) i'm watching that the whole entire scene like when they're trying to take over and i'm like oh 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 kids you don't know what you're doing you don't know what you're doing and it didn't turn out the way i thought it would because you know i've got like this uh deep knowledge as deep as you can have about who and what Amos is like but I was just like oh he's he's gonna kill you all this is not gonna turn out well yeah Naomi even has a line about that right like my ship's mechanic is gonna come up here (laughs) nobody wants that like it's not gonna go well yeah the idea that we all know Amos and what you know what he's gonna do and it's sort of the burden slash responsibility of the people who are his crew to kind of work around he's a great asset mm-hmm. but also kind of a liability you like or at least mm-hmm. you need to know when he could be a liability and mm-hmm. and you know and be aware of <laughs> know your amos you <laughs> 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 really because you don't want to handle him he's dangerous if he's mishandled um the yeah, the rosie i i i one of the things i like about the show right is that like this is not the vo- these are the voyages of the starship enterprise it's like our friends are on a stolen spaceship <laughs> they mm-hmm. tr- are transmitting like fake names that they keep changing fake names of what they claim the ship is because it's totally not that uh that that is just part of the deal and it does come back to bite them a little bit when the martians get on board and realize they're all wearing uh, like martian uh uniforms <laughs> touchy <laughs> yeah yeah it's not good it's not good um meanwhile back on earth in this uh in this little six episode chunk uh we get a new character we get anna volovdov who is elizabeth mitchell who has been in many things including lost 
Um, and she is called in to kind of help the UN Secretary General on speech writing and stuff. Uh, of course, she is thrown into the conspiracies of Aaron Wright, who is trying to start a war. And she totally gets played by him, gets played mm-hmm. by her old uh, buddy, the UN guy. Um, and and it leads to you know the war getting started and and all of that um, and there and meanwhile outside there are protests and things that are happening you get a sense of earth unrest and I feel like especially at this point in the storyline again to bring in the books just to say I feel like the show has done a better job from the beginning of making Earth seem like a place and the mm-hmm. and the books yeah. even when uh, book two Avasarala comes in and you're like okay but even then like earth is not the strongest presence in these in the books but in the show they they really i think made an effort and seeing what's going on in the un and seeing anna in the midst of that i thought uh plus elizabeth mitchell i really enjoyed her and i i enjoyed that she is kind of like reluctant to do it because she thinks that these guys are awful and she goes well, there and realizes they're totally before, awful. Right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I mean, again, they do something clever here, which is they do the same thing they did with Avasarala in season one, which is this character doesn't appear until book three, but we're going to bring them in earlier mm-hmm. and kind of give you an idea of who they are. Um, like they're sort of their background and everything. And I think it is interesting to watch her because, you know, we have this whole, uh dynamic with her where she's a a pastor and like but she's a clearly a former political like operative of some stripe um and so sort of getting a different perspective on all of this intrigue because she's kind of on the outside coming in and we're kind of our she's she's a little bit our proxy in that regard and she's under stress from the beginning too because we see very very much immediately that her wife and child are back somewhere else and Mm -hmm. not really happy that she's made this decision to go to new york and be work with these awful people who she had such a terrible time with earlier and it's very very much i that resonated with me a little bit the idea that that uh that your spouse is like you really want it does this seem like a good idea you had such a bad experience before do you really want to do this again and she goes into it i think she's just such a fascinating character she's she's uh played so very well and she's clearly got like an interesting backstory and just enough of it is revealed for it to be intriguing without being like uh distracting and um and just the sort of the sort of mood that she projects is so different from everyone around her and it's it's so striking that she is not a politician she's got a totally different um perspective on this stuff and then there's also this part of her that comes out later on that's like just so into this sort of exploration thing that in a way that she's kind of kept hidden and you sort of get a better feel for what her motivations are later on it's i think she's a really fascinating character yeah, I I loved her bring up the books, invoke the books, take a shot. Um, like I, <laughs> I really liked her in the books, and I wondered how how she would be played and who they would find to play her. And I have a a totally new appreciation for Anna as a character because of the portrayal in the series, but also like kind of the expanded backstory that they've given, and also I think like. I don't think she's conscious of that desire she has to explore. Mm. I think that she's just kind of, it's being revealed to her as it's Mm -hmm. being revealed to us. She's like, yeah, yeah. 
I don't really know why I'm doing this. I'm doing them because it's there and I need to see, but I don't, yeah. you know. So I, I thought that that was that was really really interesting and yeah. um yeah, I like I like her a lot. She's becoming one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Everybody, it is time to take a break. Let me tell you about our sponsor for this episode of The Incomparable. It's Chegg. Chegg is a leader in online study help. You can search for free scholarships, browse course reviews, get 24-7 study help, and rent textbooks for a fraction of the cost of your bookstore in one big education-redefining student hub. You can also tap into Chegg's massive library of step-by-step textbook solutions, everything from accounting to biology to calculus to mechanical engineering. The Chegg study app will help whether you're studying for midterms, prepping for a final exam, or just struggling with homework. And if you need help with a tough problem right away, you can use the Chegg study app to snap a quick picture and submit it instantly to Chegg's experts. That is pretty awesome. Now, my daughter is about to go off to college. Chegg actually has college research information, not just scholarships, but information about all the different colleges that she's considering applying to. And boy, I would have loved this service. The ability to take a picture of the problem that you're working and get somebody to help you with it, that's pretty amazing. And having access to textbooks, you know, that would save a lot of money too. So if you're a college student, you should check it out and you can get $5 off your first month subscription by going to chegg.com, that's C-H-E-G-G.com slash Snell right now and use promo code Snell. That's chegg.com slash Snell, promo code Snell, C-H-E-G-G. Thanks to Chegg for supporting the incomparable. One of the things about Anna that I think is important to have a character like this, and so many science fiction shows don't, or they do it badly. And I, I've been thinking uh, about Babylon 5 a little bit while I watch The Expanse for a couple reasons. One is Anna, and I'll get to that in a second. The other is The Behemoth, by the way, because it's very rare that you get a TV show that really does try to do the enormous spaceship that has that's <laughs> rotating and that has basically like crops and stuff that are supposed to grow on the inside of the cylinder. And Babylon 5 tried to do that with 90s CGI, and The Expanse tries to do it too. And it's it's hard to show that kind of and give, give yeah. the sense of scale, but they both try it, and I was thinking about that. But another thing that Babylon 5 had that I really like uh, was an attempt to say how how does religion fit in society in the future mm-hmm. because it's been with us for thousands of years and despite what Gene Roddenberry says it's probably not going away tomorrow and I I think and and I am not a religious person at all but I think the important part about having somebody like Anna is she's the character who's asking a lot of big questions about what is our purpose why are we here who do we want to be as people as human beings especially when different the humans have have been divided into these three different groups in our system but we're still all human beings and then in the course of this season we get the idea that there's a much bigger story that is going on where where we're really it's all about all the humans like who are we as a single species and so many of the characters in this show are caught up in events they're caught up in the plot mm-hmm. they got to survive mm-hmm. they got to get their spaceship from here to there they got to steal a spaceship maybe they're reacting <laughs> and anna she's got her trials too but anna seems to be the character that is is able to say who are we? Why are we doing this? And when we when we get to the more kind of cosmic implications of the back half of the season, I'm very happy that you have somebody who is bringing kind of compassion, but and also like ethics and asking those questions mm-hmm. because I think it would be a shame 
on a, on a season that ends the way that this season does to not have some sort of figure there who's trying to get you to think of the bigger picture about like what what humanity's role in the universe is and should be because very clearly that's what everybody in human society in this show is going to have to grapple with after the results of this season so i think i think like you lose something if you don't have somebody to uh to make those you know to to put those points out there and to ask those sort of spiritual moral ethical questions about humanity it's also refreshing because i feel like a lot of science fiction takes the viewpoint that science and religion need to be diametrically opposed Mm -hmm. and in conflict and i enjoy the fact that here it's not necessarily like positioned as these two things are at odds with each other in fact you know anna's whole reason for going is to like explore and see how the her faith is reflected in this discovery but there's not like a like a oh you believe in religion therefore you must believe in made up things right or Mm -hmm. like being there's not like a lot of cattiness or sort of uh insulting denigrating talk from either side and i kind of like that because it doesn't have to be that way. That's just, I feel like that's a trope that people fall back on. It's kind of lazy uh, and it doesn't really bear out well either for the scientific or religious perspectives at that point. So it's nice that they can kind of walk that line and she's a good character to do it. I also appreciate that she's such a calm, she's Mm. both a calm character and a calming character. Mm. And I feel like that contrast is really necessary. Uh, It might not be necessary, but I really appreciate it in the series because everybody else is so dang intense. Like, you know, they're, they're busy in that fight or flight reaction thing, going from one thing to another all the time. We have the dark, fairly dark sets. We have like all of this kind of intensity going on and and then we get to Anna and she's always calming um she calms me down <laughs> and she has that effect on on the characters around her too for like kind of after we get past the first six episodes anyway where we're like it it's just kind of it's a nice contrast and a nice break from just the go 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 of everything else in the series yeah, sometimes it feels like she's the only one not shouting and she's the only one sort of thinking before she speaks yeah. and like, and that, and yeah, so that's what I was saying before about her energy is just so different from everybody else around her. And it's, it's, it's a really interesting con- contrast. So let's see. So the war, the war does start. It has been engineered to start by Aaron Wright, essentially, and his conspirators, um, at some, the Martians are also like connected and in league with Jules Pierre Mao, and they're going to get the proto soldiers that are being created. And on Ganymede, because uh, Prax, of course, uh, is with the the team as well, and his daughter May, we knew was still alive, and in fact, she is with a bunch of other kids in a lab on Ganymede, where one of her friends is being very slowly turned into a proto molecule soldier monster, uh, which was. Um, that was, I, I, I liked that because I liked that it was, 
it was kind of horrifying, but it was mm-hmm. also like to see the steps they go through and the lies mm-hmm. that these people tell to these children. And it's, oh. it was, it, and, and they get what come, what's coming to them at the end, but, um, but not, but not her friend, her friend turns into a proto molecule monster. Um, and so that's going on. So we see that just because Maya is alive, uh, she's with the, the, you know, diabolical doctors who are experimenting them on, on children with the proto molecule. And there are some great scenes where, uh, Jules Pierre Mao yes. visits them and he like he's horrified he demands that they stop experimenting on children because this is ridiculous then he sees what's going on and sees just how huge this could be for his profit and business and power and he's like all right uh, I take it back <laughs> yeah. you can experiment on the children all you want which is he's so evil uh, it's amazing such a such a, uh, a fascinating thing to, to watch those scenes so those were really memorable well, they, they do such a nice job of making it seem like he they're gonna redeem him not like totally but like right, he's gonna right? have redeeming <laughs> qualities right like oh he actually he had daughters he feels some empathy with these children he, well, he does being feel experiment. some empathy right but it's totally superseded by it his greed it only goes so far yeah, yeah. Like, it, and it's that's, like he's that's looking so... at a piece of paper with the profit on it and he's like no 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 we definitely shouldn't experiment on kids at what's this number they did everything but have dollar signs pop up Uh in his eyes yeah (laughs) and it's just it's it's fantastic great acting work there and and again a nice job of fleshing out a character who i think in the books often comes across as a slightly more cartoony villain um where you know there he's a complex man he's still a villain no question about (laughs) it but like there's some nuance brought in here like and in fact it makes his villainy all the worse when you do see like he could have he was so close to having some sort of moral fiber <laughs> and nope nope there just there it goes consistent to the end she'll appear out and it also really does add to the it, it there are some serious action scenes where um bobby ends up basically being chased oh through the station by the proto monster um and that's all very exciting it certainly adds another layer for you to know who the monster used to be that it was that kid Mm -hmm. and that that is some of the power i think of having uh those those scenes which are hard i mean i the way i'm describing it is like oh wasn't it great all the scenes where kids are experimented on (laughs) like no 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 no. but it was horrifying and and very dramatic and and it really adds to the weight of what you're seeing the scene where they walk in and find that he has disassembled the nurse yeah is to me oh god oh, oh my god eight because he gets, he gets like the signal from venus where all this time the, the you know something is happening on venus because julie mao and miller crashed the protomolecule asteroid onto venus and he gets a signal from there and he he is you know disassembling the nurse to d- report back on her structure or something yeah and and that is our first real look at kind of the protomolecule as something beyond just a thing that creates zombies mm-hmm. and that there's more complexity yeah. there. It's not a virus anymore. It's something else. It's something intelligent. Yeah. yeah I, I really like a lot of, a lot of the stuff they're doing in this uh, part of the, the series where they're sort of showing you how all, how all of these things progress to the point where we see them now, you know, how the, the people who are experimenting on the children could get to that point. Um, like what the motivations and the justifications and so on are that they're using and then also how uh, a person can turn into this kind of being and what what's actually happening in terms of what their their motivations are what they're thinking what they're how they're progressing and 
connecting to that sort of larger sort of being or whatever. I think it's, it's really interesting the way that, uh, things that, that seemed a lot simpler or, or but also less kind of, uh, understandable, sort of more sort of cartoony. Okay. This thing is bad. Now, now you get that kind of progression. And I, I really appreciate that. It sets up something that happens at the end of this half of the season too, having this idea that there's more going on here. I think one of the challenges the TV series has that the books didn't have because the books can just tell you what is happening and the TV show has to show you is I think it's a little bit easier to write off the proto-molecule as some, you know, weird, like I said, a virus, a weird thing. And with what happens with it in this season, it's much it is finally kind of like really communicated that it is intelligent and mm-hmm. is basically an intelligent machine that was sent here to do something and we figure it out here which is the open the ring build the ring and then open it up and then get in contact with the station and that's what it's trying to do um and it, you know when it started it just seemed like it was making zombies but now we understand now we're starting to understand it and that makes it a it's a much more interesting as fun as it is in the book it's actually even more fun because there even more zombie-like in the in the first book in in, in uh, Leviathan Wakes when there are space vomit zombies and you're like what is what is this book that I'm reading is it sci-fi or horror or whatever but by the time we get to this point in the TV show it's like it's very clear there's a bigger story going on which I like right and it's not it's not malicious either right because all yeah. the forms no. we see it in in the early books are malicious but in the end yeah. it doesn't care because essentially the individual people are so far below like the level it's operating on that it's just it's using them as tools as we learn later on and it's yeah. really like it's like it's concerned about ants you know essentially it's literally all it's programmed to do is 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 basically spread through the galaxy and connect solar systems to the network um and that's it and it just happened to get kind of like not not to land on earth and got caught by gravity and ended up getting parked somewhere but that you know otherwise that's what it's trying to do the um the climax of the season is essentially the the uh, battle around ganymede and this is you know dan you mentioned uh one of the story kind of stories that you like with the uh, the spies and the double crosses and all of that uh another story that i think you like and that i also like is the like um claustrophobic like submarine movie kind of stuff yeah including yeah yeah i was in crimson tide and crimson tide, Red yeah. october very similar we get yep. a lot of that here too where especially Especially on the Martian ships, like Avasarala has her uh, evidence that Aaron Wright has conspired and that this is all a setup and that everybody needs to stop f- fighting and she's transmitting it and she's got back channels. And so you end up with the, the stuff happening on the ships that is very much like, uh, you know, do we trust, who do we trust on the ships? It, can they uh, stand down and not battle? And of course, there's the one guy who is in league with Jules Pierre Mao, who is going to uh, fire off all of his protomolecule monsters and all of that uh but that that i like that part too at the end that that's your military brinksmanship kind of thing that happens on those on the spaceships where they're they're subverting the chain of command because this whole war has been a setup yeah there's a lot of tension in those scenes too right like the the scenes where they're on the bridge of the yeah (laughs) Yeah. the agatha king and they're all pointing guns at each other and there's the two factions of like well what happens and you're just waiting you know like one person's gonna shoot and then it's gonna go to hell and they do a yeah. nice job of capturing that. It reminded me a lot of uh, a few of the scenes in um, Battlestar Galactica, mm, where mm-hmm. you have these sort of 
competing mutiny sort of things going on and you're trying to figure out who's going to side with who and who's going to shoot someone on the bridge and you know and the, the, that tension was done very well we've all been there yeah so the big moment and, and i so watching this so my wife hasn't read the books and so watching this with her has been fascinating because I get to watch mm-hmm. her responses to things. And the funny thing is that because the storytelling has been so slow in terms of these adaptations, less than a book a year up until this point, the scenes that I want to talk to her about, the, there are two things that I, I'm like, just wait, just wait, just wait. I, I can't say anything. And they're both in this season. And one of them is what happens at the end of book two, which happens in the middle of this season, which is the moment where after it's, yes, Miller died uh, with Julie Mao on Venus. It's very sad. And there's that mm-hmm. moment where in the books at the very end of book yeah. two, uh, Holden uh, it goes to his quarters and Miller appears and says, kid, kid we got to talk, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. here uh, we get it at this point, the same, the same thing where it's like what huh how how is and it's of course it's not really miller it's a it's the investigator it's a construct based on miller because miller's part of whatever this machine is now and there's a mission to be done because of course the other thing that happens that's the big reveal of that this is more than just a show about us in the solar system is the ring uh, you know, stuff launches off of Venus and goes out to the edge of the solar system and builds a giant ring that is a portal to somewhere else. And th- these are the moments of like, oh, this show isn't quite what you thought it was. Like, mm-hmm. this this is a show about the the amazing discoveries that lead to a gate opening to the rest of the galaxy. And I like that they play the long game with it. At the same time, it's also super frustrating because it's like, it's not, it's not, it's more than what you think it is. But we do get that moment here at the end. The, the ring is there. Miller, Miller's uh, avatar appears to Holden. And we realize there's a, in the second part of the season, there's going to be a much, it's basically a season finale in the middle of the season. In fact, it feels Mm -hmm. really weird when you watch it because, you know, the next episode, is very much a season premiere and they just they air it back to back there's no gap between them but they feel totally different i was gonna say jason it's funny that you mentioned watching it with your wife because i watched it with my fiance in fact i went away for a weekend and i came back and she had watched like the first season and a half of the show um and so i had very similar reactions where i there are scenes like it's like the, you know the game is gonna change and you don't want to spoil anything so having that like you know uh that pivot point is so interesting in this series because it, it is you know you when you have to like build a show where you're like all right three three or build a series of books where you're like three books in that's where we get to the real point of this <laughs> like, that yeah. is a bold move and i feel like i can say that with some authority that is a bold move to wait that long in your book <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely but it's 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 a fun moment and then and then so the the episode 7 right which is which is uh, delta v it basically is here's the new season we're going to tell this story in seven episodes structurally i do think it's a little bit weird as a as somebody who's read the books uh, you know one story ended and then another story began. It's just, that's how it feels. It literally feels like we're starting with a new story. There's a time gap and -hmm. now we've got a bunch of ships that are headed out to the ring um, and including the Rosinante, which has been hired and there's a TV crew on board because they're kind of famous and everybody's going out to the ring. So let's do a thing where we all go out to the ring and Naomi's gone. She's not on the Rosinante anymore. She's back with the belters. Her hair's purple. Oh yeah. And and full credit to um, uh, Dominique Tipper right um for she does a great job with her her accent yeah. starts to slide yeah. back to belter that's so cool. yeah. well done very well done yeah. yeah she's full-on belter accent 
in a way she never was when she was around the non-belters on it's code, code switching. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, totally it's fantastic. Is. Well done. Totally is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that a lot. And uh, so, yeah, with there, everybody's going down the ring. Also, we should say, taken straight from the book, but I think really well done in the Delta V episode, we get the interstitial bits, sort of like where we had the interstitial <laughs> bits about the guy who invented the super fast drive and ended up killing himself in the process, mm-hmm. which was in season two. Here we get the the kid who is like, essentially, he's a YouTuber, right? He's the <laughs> daredevil video streaming space daredevil. And he's going to go out to the ring, too. And is like, his girlfriend doesn't pay attention to him and then there he, she dumps him and he's really sad but he's going to show her by being famous and you see him throughout and of course just as in the book because this this is the prologue in the book i want to say um the last thing in this episode this first episode of this sort of ha- second half is he gets to the ring and he's going to go through it and he does but he is smashed into pulp because the the uh, because the spaceship is immediately decelerated and it's a super gross scene, but uh, mm. I think that's it's like that's this show. That's this show. When they started to show it, because I wasn't sure that they would even show that bit at all, um, because really it has shock value, but it doesn't add to the overall story. So I was like, well, are they going to include that? And so I was like, oh, okay, they're including that. And then I was like. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Oh Lord. Yeah, they did. Yep. So plus it's recorded, right? So we see it like four more times <laughs> over the course yeah. of the season. Yeah. Sorry, dude. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, random belter guy. Yeah. Um, and it's so we also get, um, we get a new character in the form of Ashford. Yes. Uh, played by the fantastic David, David Strathern. Strathern. Mm. Wow. Uh, um, yeah. looking crazy and just awesome with his like wild hair and his burned face he comes and everything. on screen and i'm like oh my god is that david strather and i looked up yeah. and I'm like, yeah, it really is it's like th- yeah that's that's some really great casting like he's a he's a fantastic actor and here he is with his you know weird kind of like modeled uh skin makeup and he's doing a belter accent and he's he's oh, great he's he's a, he's a thousand percent into that belter accent oh, too uh <laughs> but i i i find that character fascinating because and, and granted we're invoking the books as Aline said um but you know that character in the books i feel is is much less sympathetic as i recall like he's he seems very complex here i really enjoy the way they developed him throughout the season where yes he is arrogant and he thinks this job should be his but he also says a lot of things and like conveys a lot of stuff that's important like he does have a kind of a a guiding compass right like a moral compass to a certain extent about like what he's thinking he's not again he's not a character that is just straight up a villain he is mm-hmm. a an antagonist, um, but he has a lot of like the larger interests of the belt at heart in a way that really makes sense for like who he is and where he's going with this. So I really enjoy him and I love his interactions with Drummer. Like so the good. two of them throughout this season are mm-hmm. just fantastic in bringing these two sort of opposing viewpoints but they're kind of struggling back and forth with the tension. And particularly the scene, I think, you know, we'd all agree the scene where they're both pinned mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. drum later on. For a whole is just, episode, basically. Oh, my God. So, so very good. And and Drummer, another character who is not really in the books um, and, and has become a, one of my favorites, is just, yes, yeah, just fantastic. Her name is Kara G, I think. And um, she, yeah, that's Bulbaka is the basically the 
role I think she's playing. <laughs> I mean, they, they right. basically yeah. just like dropped characters out of the books and are like, forget it. She's so great. They're like, we're gonna we're gonna set her on the mission and we're gonna put her up against uh up against Ashford. And it is uh and it is great because they're they are on the same side but they're from different factions. So there's this sort of like working together, but also enemies and they both want to be in charge, but for political reasons, she is and he isn't. And then there are reversals and there are life and death struggles. And uh, it's very well done. She plays a role in like the most recent book. And I'm sure the final trilogy of the nine book run. Um, So I kind of appreciate while, She's kind of the combination of two characters in the book that I really liked and was really looking forward to seeing on TV. I totally understand. They've kind of done the same thing that they've, they did with, you know, bringing the earth storylines in at the beginning is they're, they're just allowing her to be part of it and to, um, to have more, I guess, weight and substance as, as the series goes on, hopefully through the whole thing, please, Amazon. Um, but like, so I appreciate, I can, I can see why they did that now, especially since I finished the most recent book, but I was pretty put out about it until, um, until I did that. But, you know, I, I think she's a great character. And I appreciate seeing, um, one of the things I love about the expanse is the, like the tenacity and strength of will of the women. Um, the first, the first book I felt like didn't have that so much. And it's something that's gotten better as time has gone on, but it's something that the television series is doing, has done from the beginning. And I really, really appreciate that. And that's one of the things I love about drummer is she doesn't care. She, she, she's, she's Belcher. She's there to thrive and survive and she's going to do what it takes. And it doesn't matter if that means like telling her superior off, if she might get fired, if she might get spaced, like she doesn't care. She's just going to lay it out. And I really like that about her. Yeah. I, I also like that, that none of the female characters are, uh, kind of strong woman stereotypes. Uh, from from the the kind you usually see in these kinds of series, like uh, they're they're much more uh, interesting, I guess, yeah. than that, um, which which I think helps a lot. I should also say, by the way, I have only read the first two books. I'm not uh-huh. I'm not up to date on all of the other books. So a lot of this season, this season was almost entirely surprise for me, which oh, was that's fun. Cool. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I think I was what I was going to say about the women of the expanse is i feel like the tv show has done a pretty good job of just depicting a future society where men and women are equal like Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. not about like like very clearly like people are just the people and and also there are in terms of culture one of the nice things that they do that i think is very clever is um there are the nations of the expanse and i I talked about this when we talked about the previous seasons the nations of the expanse which are mars earth and the belt and then Mm -hmm. as 21st century humans we think of the people from where they live on the planet or what their heritage is on the planet and in in the world of the expanse all of the kind of ethnic racial religious backgrounds are all kind of mixed up across all the different nations and so Mm -hmm. everything is mixed up it is a world that does not have it's got its own issues but they're not our issues and i think i think they do a pretty good job and the way that the women behave is part of that like they're just people in space like there's (laughs) there's no like they have to fight for what they need as because because men are still like no it's like they're kind of over it and so you just have 
them in all these different roles and and yeah. and the way they cast all the kind of secondary roles is a similar thing where it's there are lots of women in secondary roles there are lots of women in roles that would always traditionally have gone to men there are a lot of women soldiers and a lot of women security guards and a lot of, just it's it's throughout everything you see on the show mm-hmm. yeah the, the women are, are strong characters in the sense that they are fully fleshed out well-developed characters right. not mm-hmm. necessarily strong uh, physically uh, not that they're not i mean bobby obviously Bob. could kick anybody's oh, I love ass bobby so much <laughs> Oh my gosh! And yeah, I have full yeah. credit again to um, um, the actress whose name I've just suddenly blanked on, even though I know what it is. Um, it, it, I felt like in season two, like I liked her, but it's it, I feel like this part of the character too, like she's a little more tentative in sort of some of the things she's doing, and and some of that is by design. But I felt like the 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 actor really came into her role in this season, right? Frankie really, Adams, it, like right? Yeah, thank you, Frankie Adams. Um, especially in that first seek in the first half of the season where she's forced to deal with like basically all right it's your job to take care of avasarala now and then she's like realized essentially like i'm not going to take any of her crap like i'm going to give as good as i get kind of and i felt like great moments yeah the moment that she embraces that i had that like total in the same way i had trouble with some of the characters in the first season like reconciling them with my images from the in my head of the characters from the book that was the moment where she really like clicked as me for like for me as bobby i was like yep that's her perfect nailed it so i really i thought she did fantastic job in this season and i'm glad that we get her throughout the whole season here too because it's like it's a it's it's a good it's good to keep her in the thick of things yeah absolutely and to have her be kind of a a part of the core too you Mm -hmm. know she goes she -hmm. goes away and you're like oh she's with the martians now and all that but of course that last shot of the last episode of this season she's sitting on the bridge of the rosinante right Mm -hmm. you know it's it's uh yeah that's really great um okay so the ring through the ring is a pocket dimension that is weirdly colored and there's a speed limit that is that slows everything down slow and it's the slow zone and the space station is at the center uh we have miller miller's telling stuff weird stuff to holden they need to go to the space station um and so that's part of it uh holden gets to the space station miller you know and there's the martians are trying to stop him and holden's trying to get information about this because miller is is telling him what to do because they're basically like i don't know rebooting the space station or checking in to figure out what's gone on i think the implication is that the um the proto molecule is trying to check in and there's nobody there and it doesn't understand why and so it needs to go back to the source and find out what we see as a kind of hallucinogenic uh flash through holden's eyes of something bad happening and them like blowing up uh stars and closing off gates in order to try and stop something terrible from happening B- bad stuff happened basically and that's why the proto molecule hasn't heard from anybody apparently um and al- also yes uh like a martian marine gets turned into goo and uh everything's and then a, and bullets are fired and then everything slows down even further which causes a huge catastrophe on every all mm-hmm. the spaceships which are, have been moving at various speeds and they're immediately slowed down which causes you know kill, kills a lot of people injures a lot of people and kind of drives a lot of the story for the second half of the season as somebody who was not up to date on the books, I I was so pleased to see Miller again. Um, he's just such a fun character, and um, and I and kind of different from how he was at least in the first two books, but in a way that I think is it works really well in the in the series. And it was it was fun to see him again and to try and figure out like how much is actually him and how much is like to what extent 
is he just an avatar for the proto molecule? And what extent is has his sort of personality been sort of taken and used? And is is that part is part of that him talking, or is he completely gone and this is just like some pattern thing? It, I thought that was a really interesting thing to try to disentangle. Right? Is he a, is he a puppet being used yeah. by the proto molecule, or is he like a Miller simulation that's been giving its orders by the protomolecule but is trying to you know do the best he can as miller with orders from the proto right and it's kind of unclear and and he says weird stuff and then he also says like uh, you know they just they'll just uh you know if this doesn't work they'll just bring up a new one and and uh you know try again until you finally you know we finally figure it out it's very like it's it's super weird he's and he's always only talking to holden too so he's like this weird alien jiminy cricket kind (laughs) of well it provides some great moments of both yes extreme tension where the the rest of the crew thinks he's losing it right because mm-hmm. they're having he's he's wandering around and they're trying to figure out what's going on with him diagnosing himself to see if he's infected with the proto molecule and it also at the same time provides some great comedic moments just like the scene where they finally after it's all out in the open i just the scene where somebody goes down to talk to him and he you know miller uh, holden walks out and he's kind of got these like you know really like just like, looks dead looks exhausted and then he's like i'm trying you know trying to talk to miller and he closes the door again <laughs> just like you're just miller like behind the door <laughs> like it just it's it's done so well what's with the hat mm-hmm. like you know all this is really it, it like they're all the snippets of conversation which all things get pulled out of like earlier episodes like there's little bits mm-hmm. of things that miller says along the way that are all pulled from like dialogue that he had in the earlier in the show um it's just it's great to see uh thomas jane again i think he does a really nice job well, right because it was sad to lose him last season and so yeah. guess yeah. what he's yeah. back sort of right thomas yeah. jane is back and miller's sort of kind of back kind of mm-hmm. i'm still stuck on the creepy factor of like falling quote-unquote in love with like this girl that you've been tasked to find mm. and don't yeah. actually know you're in love with her because you've gone through her stuff and <laughs> like that's creepy mm-hmm. um like intentionally yeah. i get that yeah. but 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 he still carries even though i know what he is and what the point of him is and everything in universe, I still look at him. I'm like, yeah, you're still kind of a creeper. <laughs> I thought he was creepier in the book than than in the show. He's more affable, I think, in in the show. He's than more likable in the show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a yeah, little but- bit less of the of the noir detective, who's you know, yeah, he gets obsessed with the the person he's trying to find and he doesn't actually know her, but he 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 gets totally taken over and obsessed with her and all of that and and. uh Although he, to be fair, when he does meet her, or again the part of her that's left and covered by proto molecule, um, he does convince her at least not to crash her asteroid into the Earth. So that's nice, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that scene was also super creepy. It was, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not, not, well, no, I mean it, it is because yeah. it's like I've never met you before, but I love you. But you're also yeah. kind of been taken over by alien goo, uh, like and, it's, and also yeah. like kind of naked but glowing. But, so maybe that's okay. But glowing, and, and <laughs> the goo covers. Well, it doesn't cover that much, but it covers some. And, <laughs> yeah. And I'm but I'm I'm here with my atomic bomb, and I could blow us up, or we could crash into a planet. What would you like to do? Yeah. It's very romantic. It's the same old story, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Boy meets girl. Yeah. Well, boy doesn't meet girl. Boy tracks down girl. Girl's covered in proto molecules. So I, I, I hope, and I hope that the, the what we get at the last of this, uh, the last scene of the season, uh, where you know Holden has a vision and uh, Miller, you know, he's standing on a planet 
on the other side of the gate and uh, Miller says, um, you know, I'm going to need a ride. Right. And so <laughs> I hope, I hope that uh, the show will um, keep their excellent use of Thomas Jane around because it's a fun, fun and, and having him be like, he was frustrating before as living Miller. And now he's frustrating as weird <laughs> cryptic, cryptic alien Miller. And that's, that's great. I want the guy in the hat to just really frustrate Holden, quite frankly, because yeah. it's great. um let's see what else happens oh um so we meet melba who's a perfectly normal technician except she's actually clarissa mao julie's sister and she's got all sorts of like uh body alterations to give her kind of rage powers and uh she kills a dude and is involved with a plot to frame miller uh to uh claim that miller is blowing up ships and stuff which is not actually true but um but she's part of that that thing and uh, fake news man it's it's yeah yeah it's fake news it's all right she ends up um she ends up killing uh one of anna's friends because anna is out on those ships too going to the ring and uh and in a, a pretty dramatic set of scenes she escapes to uh to the rosinante in a spacesuit because they're in the slow zone so this is more possible um and is is uh, lets herself in and is basically going to kill the crew of the rosinante because she blames holden and holden's people uh for uh everything that went wrong with her family and especially her sister and uh in a an amazing moment uh when she's about to uh kill everybody anna saves the day because anna followed her in a spacesuit and uh stopped melba from killing everybody I love that scene, like that yeah. that sequence. Yeah, it's really good, and it's like of all people, like you're like, how is the, how are they going to get out of this one? It's like, it's Anna. Anna was was brave enough to get on a spacesuit and go out into the slow zone and and do what she needed to do. I, I really enjoy the background we get on Clarissa and Julie growing up. Right, like it's it's teased oh, out nicely in a way where it's like, okay. Uh, we're at this party on Earth, and like, like what, something's weird going on. Oh wait, Julie Mao is here. What's going on? And then like they sort of you know reel in the sister thing, and you see their relationship, and it isn't. It's it's like it's a it's a good family relationship in the sense that it's not a good relationship, right? Like there's <laughs> they have a lot of that, they're not that is a dysfunctional family. The Mao yes, family, they're, exactly, and it, it's it's <laughs> nice because it's not necessarily that she's like. You know, I really liked my sister, therefore that's why I'm, you know, avenging her. It's, well, I, you know, she's my family. I loved her. Uh, and so that and ruining, you know, my father's life. Um, and it's, it's an interesting dynamic. It's a fun, I, I love that there's sort of a back and forth where, you know, she goes from this person who admittedly is only really good for like planning parties and stuff like that mm-hmm. to I'm going to become a technician and fix like the electrical <laughs> systems on ships. And that we see Julie too, because we never got a ton of Julie. Right. Um, but that we get her flesh out a little bit, which is she's kind of difficult. Like, right. Like she's kind of got her <laughs> yeah. own. It Although was she's very not wrong. Funny. Like her father is no, terrible. No. <laughs> I love. I have to say, I loved watching the scenes of this uh, on the sci-fi streaming because that fight in the library where she yells at her father in the sci-fi version, she yells, forget you. And oh everyone God. looks very stunned. Everyone looks super surprised. I'm like, I don't think that's what so, she said. So pro tip to everybody, I'm sure that all the Amazon versions will be completely with F-bombs. There are plenty of F-bombs. They were in The Magicians and they showed them on sci-fi, but for some reason they didn't do that on The Expanse. I will say the iTunes versions are uncensored 
and uh, presumably when it goes to Amazon, uh, they will. Yeah, they know, will because I went from Amazon season two, in which it's all it's all F-bombs, uncensored, yeah. mm-hmm. to sci-fi season three. I was like, oh, this is this is quite different. Yeah, yeah, there were some some of those were pretty painful. Forget forget you is a good forget one. Forget you is like, my yeah. favorite. It's like, yeah, I guess that's really insulting. Yeah, gasp. She ends up uh, sort of saving the day at the end of the last episode, by the way, because she uh, prevents, she's basically a distraction and she pulls a bunch of stuff out so the laser doesn't fire and they can instead, they shut off all of the uh, the power on the behemoth, which allows the whole thing to reset and uh, and save the day and open all the gates to all the other worlds and, uh, and then uh, nobody... You know, no spaceships get destroyed and no no solar systems get destroyed, which is good. So she saves the day in the end. And uh, I think the way that basically we don't see her after that. But I will say that that character um, is the character appears in future books. So I am hopeful that we will see more of Clarissa Mao. Uh, next season yeah they they it's another another character they do a nice job of someone who could have like is a villain but they really redeem like and she did some terrible things she blew up all those ships right there's a great (laughs) scene in that last episode where she says because she's theoretically on the bridge of the behemoth to work on the laser electricity stuff because she's qualified um and she says to uh ashford like do you believe that if you do something good at the end of your life Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can redeem you for all the terrible things that you've done. And she's thinking of herself, but the great thing about it is J- David Strathairn is like, I, I would like to believe that. Yes. He says in his Belter <laughs> accent, and it's like, you know, mm-hmm. he's thinking of every terrorist, everything he ever did. And now he's basically trying to blow himself up in order to save earth. And it's very much like a great, yes, I am doing that right now. And of course yes. she does it too. And it is it counteracts what he's trying to do but i i th- I, I like that moment with those two characters both of whom are actually kind of really likable but also yep. are 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 antagonists terrible people yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I found it also kind of neat how they made clarissa mount like actually good at her job and like she was like her the the supervisor she she killed had left her a, a, a review saying she was like really promising and she needs to get her confidence up or something like that but like she's you know she actually like earned a skill and you and there are moments where you kind of see her thinking like oh i could have done this thing and i was actually you know becoming good at it and and it, like i i liked that detail that they uh it wasn't just like Oh, I'm just going to do this as a ruse. Like, you know, it was actually like she was actually doing the thing and doing well with it. And that could have been a path she took. And but she had this other agenda. Yeah, she has kind of gotten out from under, ironically, to avenge her father and yeah. all of that. She is she's done what her sister did, which is get out from under his thumb and be her own person. Of course, her own person is yeah. a kind of a again a rage chemical rage monster <laughs> and and murderer yeah, and no slash no electrician perfect. slash electrician. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so uh, I I hope we see more of her uh, because I uh, you know again we see more of her in the books and uh, it's a fun character. So I hope they continue with that. Um, let's see what else happens in this part. Lots of stuff. So so we mentioned it a little bit. There's a lot of stuff with drummer and ashford on the uh behemoth and uh they do they get stuck for most of an episode after the after the slowing of the slow zone uh where they're both trapped and they're and they're talking um and it's really good because even though they're at cross purposes they also have a lot in common and uh in the end she sacrifices herself to save him and i wanted to say 
I think one of the interesting things about the dramatic choices this the, the show made this season is I, sometimes I think they like their characters and their actors so much that they don't want to kill them off because mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it is so clear in that episode. It, like the, at least we've been so trained by television that when she when drummer makes that sacrifice, um, you're like, oh well, they're gonna, she's dead. It's like no, she got paralyzed, but she's alive in the next episode. She she didn't die, and drum and Ashford takes over as the captain at that point, and then. And later she oh, she the, goes down in 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 the, the amazing scene right where they're going up the zero z g elevator shaft and she's got the grenades and she's like no 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 uh, holden you take care of naomi and and uh, tell her that she's great and i'm gonna stay back here and blow these guys up with the grenades and um of course uh what happens is that naomi takes the elevator and shoots it down the shaft to crush the guy who's coming up uh at at him or at her i totally thought she was gonna drummer was gonna bite it there i totally Mm -hmm. thought she was gonna bite it and ashford at the end is totally in a position where he he should be dying at the end and he's fine at the end and they have a drink together ashford and uh and uh uh drummer they have a drink together at the at the end because he now he's injured like she was injured before now or i guess they're both injured now and but they've survived Mm -hmm. and they have uh they have a drink at the end so i kept waiting for this in this battle between these two characters i kept waiting for that moment because the show kept me like yeah this one's probably gonna die no this one no 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 this one (laughs) and no they're fine they're fine it's great because I like those characters, I don't want them to die, but uh, I was convinced they were going to kill them. So. I want I wanted to touch really quickly on the. I mean, I won't go too deep into this the special effects because Joe's not here. Um, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I did want to say that my favorite bit of special effects in this entire season is in episode two when the Rocinante saves the Razorback and Holden. They use the the nukes to basically blind the UN ship. And then there's a scene where they do sort of the slow-mo flyby of the UN ship and just take out the engines. Like, I love that. It's a great shot. Right. It just looks it looks super cool. And like the stuff of the slow zone equally, I really enjoyed the the way that they showed that. It's fun having space that doesn't look like space, right? Or it doesn't work like space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of that. Like the um the the station not the behemoth, but like the the alien oh, yeah. station. Um the the when it emerges the protomolecule blob the brain with tendrils <laughs> emerges mm-hmm. from uh venus like mm-hmm. that's really cool um i'm not super into the katoa protomolecule hybrid thing i thought that looked a little funky yeah um, but that was like my only, and granted, not Joe, <laughs> not, I don't have that, that I, but like, I, I thought most of it looked really, really good. The ring looks cool. And it was also, I think coming from the books again, like it's way bigger than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the scale that they can do is massive. It's just cool. And they're trying to honor like the laws of physics. I, I mean, in a slow zone, the laws of physics are altered and that's part of the storyline. But like I, this show has always tried to do right as much as they can by like having the spaceships actually mm-hmm. follow the laws of physics and and uh i always appreciate about that and i think they have gotten i think the effects have gotten better that's fine if you're into that I sort mean, of yeah, thing whatever. <laughs> i'm into that sort of thing <laughs> I was gonna say, okay fine. i am physics. the opposite i'm clearly not into that <laughs> all right it's, it, 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 you know it takes all kinds people who care about the laws of physics and people who fly oh, break off every into space, space i, I guess because yeah. they aren't honoring the laws of physics like like you should be um so the last thing in this season 
is there's a voiceover. It's Holden. Um, he's got his vision of Miller and they're standing on an alien shore and like what's out there. And he, he says, there's going to be a blood soaked gold rush. What was the purpose you wanted to open the gates? So it's like the questions are, what does the pro- proto molecule want? What's out there? What happened way back in the past that caused terrible uh, things to happen by whoever built those gates? There's a little weird flash when Holden goes back through the gate that is creepy, but otherwise has no other information. We see Avasarala looking at the map of all the gates. And uh, and so what I think is interesting, and that was the other big moment, I, I should say, from the books that I couldn't wait for the show to do, is the moment when everything opens when all those gates open up it's just like an amazing Mm -hmm. moment um but it it does mean that next season is potentially going to be very different although i get the sense again without spoiling too much here i get the sense from the producers that they are going to do what they've done all along with this tv show which is they, they want all of the different kind of settings to be a participant in the storyline. And so the next book, we could just say, the next book spends a very, the bulk of its time in one location. And the impression I've gotten from some of the interviews with the producers of the show, especially Naren Shankar, is that they intend to still tell the story where it's like what's going on with earth and Mars and the belt and the people we know back on earth and the government and all of that, as well as what's going on with the Rosinante. So I get the feeling that the story, uh, Aline, you mentioned the fourth book in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I get the feeling that this, the story we're going to see is going to be more than just what, what's in that fourth book. And uh, I'm, yeah. I'm okay with that, but I'm also excited because <laughs> the fourth book is a huge departure from the content of the first three. And it, is an opportunity for the show to suddenly feel like surprisingly different and i think after three seasons that's kind of a fun thing to do too yeah they like genre switching and 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 bumping around to different types of things which is nice and there's again not to spoil too much but like it's interesting when in the show they've taken the opportunity to foreshadow and drop hints to things that were not clearly the writers didn't necessarily know or explicitly say early in the books right like they're writing the first books and so for example you know we have definitely heard stuff about um naomi talks about her son which is not a thing that really comes up early in the books but she's talked about in the show already even though we're like you know it's not a i think they didn't necessarily have that in mind maybe when they wrote the first I book suspect right they had no idea right so there's a lot of stuff you know <laughs> saying again not to give anything away but like having read like eight books you can say there's a lot of things that happen way down the road they could they could start planting seeds of now right um that would make that more rewarding when you get there in the show i do kind of hope that the next pacing has always struck me as a problem and i i've gone into it about how they did a book and a half this season um the pacing of the show bugs me and i don't know what their episode order is and i don't know what the plan is for the the season or seasons at amazon but i kind of hope that their next block of episodes their next season tells the story of the fourth book because it does frustrate me when i, I like my tv seasons to have a shape <laughs> where there's kind of a beginning and a middle and an end and it doesn't have to be super entirely serialized but i do kind of like that shape and the expanse is sort of like 
misshapen because like yeah. the first it's season like it's yeah. just <laughs> stops and the rest of the story is told at the beginning of the second season and here again the show just ends a story and then tells another story um it's i love this show i think it's a really great show but i would love for them to get the budget and the episode order and whatever else needs to happen so that they can tell like their story and if it's book four like tell book four as a season rarely these days do i find myself thinking man this show should have more episodes every season but this is this probably is, yeah. the exception i think the first season was 10 episodes i think that's the problem is that if they had gotten a 13 episode order maybe they could have fit they it in might have been they, able to squeeze they knew it. they couldn't yeah. and so now they're playing catch up with these 13 episode seasons but i'm excited for it to come back uh yeah mm-hmm. i thought this was a great season i really i really enjoyed it it was um it was two different storylines but i think they really did a uh uh, a solid job everybody else uh agree good good expanse season yeah i thought it was great yeah yeah i'm i thumbs up like this is the first season that's super clicked for me the f- I, f- I was a little iffy on the first season but willing to see where it went and kind of the same the second season things started to fall into place but and i think part of this is just the nature of having a large cast of people who are trying to work together you know just like human interaction things that happen off screen between the actual people. But this is where I'm finally starting to to feel like I I feel the characters in a way that's removed from my expectations in the book and um I think that's really helped me uh feel like oh yeah, like they're really firing on all cylinders. The season was so so good. I couldn't wait for the next episode and I'm so glad we get a season 4. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It would have been an interesting ending if that was... At least they would have gotten to the yeah. point where the gates were open. But then you're like, wait, 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 wait. But now what? <laughs> now what? So now now we will get that on Amazon. Well, uh, yeah, I think this is... I love space shows. I mean, to take it back to Katie saying like, anything with spaceships. <laughs> and it yeah. is... Having grown up on Star Trek, I love, I love these space exploration shows. And the fact is, yeah. as much genre TV as there is these days, there, there are not that many of the kind of classic spaceship and exploration shows and uh you know Battlestar Galactica is one and there there are some and now there's we have a we have a Star Trek and and there are a few but a lot of the genre shows are very much not that and it, that one of the great things about the expanse is that it is you know it is about not just spaceships but people in spaceships but it is about uh, weird things happening in our solar system and now others and exploring and uh what's what happens to the, the human race in the future and it's just uh i like it i'm i'm very happy that we have it and that we're going to continue having yes it. well i think that bre- brings us to the end of this episode so i want to thank my panelists for joining me and having this nice discussion Aline sims thank you so much for being here Thanks. I'm always happy to talk about The Expanse. Hey, uh, Dan Morin, thank you. Uh, delightful to be here. Let's all go through the gate together. <laughs> slowly, 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 slowly. <laughs> slowly. And Katie Mack, thank you. Thanks. It was, it's great to have a chance to talk about a show that does really good physics because that's very important to me. <laughs> Dan doesn't care. <laughs> I'm a bad person. I, I heard that, yeah. Shame. Uh, and everybody out there, thank you. That we do have, uh, we did a bunch of episodes in the TV feed about the Expanse season one and two. If you want to check that out, I'll put a link in the show notes to that. You can hear us talk about season one and two. You can hear Joe complain about that CGI bird from season one, <laughs> or maybe you don't want to listen to those episodes. I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We will be back next week, and we'll see you then. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.